Choose joy, the saying goes. It fits along with those other kinds of pithy sayings, the ones that we see and hear sometimes around this time of year. But I think this phrase, to choose joy, sounds a little bit more like Bobby McFerrin's advice to me to don't worry, be happy, right? And, and, and so that song floats through my head. And what I've found to be true in my years on earth so far is that if something is on a sign at Home Goods or Hobby Lobby, it probably doesn't necessarily need to be a mantra that I live by. For choose joy sounds like joy is just a product of my will. So if I just want it enough, then I'll be joyful. We know that joy isn't supposed to be circumstance-dependent. You've heard enough sermons or people talk about the difference between happiness and joy. We know that happiness is often circumstance-dependent. It's easier to be happy when stuff is going good. And moods are often circumstance-dependent. I'm in a good mood when life is going fine or when I'm happy about the things going on. But joy, joy is not supposed to be circumstance-dependent. So the saying goes, to choose joy. We're supposed to be able to choose it even when life circumstances have us down. But is choosing or having joy as simple as just a mindset change? The writer of Hebrews situates his description of the life of discipleship as a stadium. And he pictures this massive stadium filled with 40,000, 50,000, 70,000 people watching probably a longer multi-lap event. Think like the steeplechase. So there's like a big hurdle and stuff too. And at some point you have to jump into water and maybe that water is teeming with crocodiles or alligators or something. That's the image I get that the writer of, of Hebrews is describing. And he describes a crowd that is surrounding us who are in the race on the track. And this crowd is all of the martyrs and the saints who have gone before cheering us on in the life of faith rooting for us. And then as we go through, we're fighting, fighting and battling through this arduous journey. It's one of those really, really long races, and there's physical and mental hardship that goes along in this journey of faith as we make our laps around. But what we can do is look ahead and see that in the heat previous to us in this race, Jesus has already finished the race. His example and his going on and before us are what get us through. And what we see is that when Jesus went through this same journey that we did, the author of Hebrews wants us to know, that when he went on his race, he had the guarantee of suffering. It says that he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and for the joy set before him, he did those things. He was able to look to and take on the cross. And so in that same way, we can take, we can look to Jesus, not just on everything else that is around us, not on everything that would trip us up on this journey of faith, not on the sin that is around us, and we can look ahead to him, so the passage says. Friends, in many ways, Christians are people who live through the pain of life with the promise of redemption the whole way. We don't avoid the pain of life. We know that it is there and that it will come. We don't need to try and pretend the pain doesn't exist. But the writer of Hebrews encourages us to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus in the midst of that pain. 
Friends, it's easy to use a phrase like choose joy when life is going great and we're in our prime. Even though joy isn't supposed to be circumstance dependent, when life is really hard, joy is going to take more than just our willingness to want it. Having joy is going to require a change in our spirit. Which brings us to Mary. Mary recognizes God's action in her life. And this recognition of God's action spurs joy within Mary. She says, with all my heart I glorify the Lord. In the depths of who I am I rejoice in God my Savior. That's what it says right away in her song at the beginning. And then she continues in her song. And if you're a If you ever taught English grammar or you enjoy it, I'm going to ask you right now to listen to the tense of what Mary says. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered those with arrogant thoughts and proud inclinations. He has pulled the powerful down from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty-handed. He has come to the aid of his servant Israel, remembering his mercy, just as he promised to our ancestors, to Abraham and Abraham's descendants forever. It is not Mary saying that he will pull the powerful down from their thrones. Or that he will send the rich away empty. No, he has pulled the powerful down from their thrones and lifted up the lowly, Mary says. This is past tense work. She is so confident in God's work, both within her and in the world, that she can proclaim that it's already happened. It's accomplished fact. God's final kingdom ways have begun, Mary is proclaiming to us today. And she sees that life that is being born in her womb as the very evidence that that's happening. Her, a lowly teenage girl, from a place far off and not the center of everything, is the one who is going to bear the Son of God. The upside-down kingdom ways are in motion, Mary says. Friends, I want you to hear this. Joy is possible when we see the world as God sees it. Joy is possible when we see the world as God sees it. So joy is not just a mindset change. It's not just a positivity move. No, joy is a product of faith. God is moving. God has acted in your life. And joy occurs when we recognize God's action in the midst of whatever else we are going through. So where does this joy begin? I believe it begins with this confession of Savior. Mary says, in the depths of who I am, I rejoice in God, my Savior. When we say the word Savior, we are saying, I need help. I am in need. Anyone who is looking for a Savior recognizes that they are in a position of needing help. The proud aren't saying this. They can't start with that confession of needing a savior. The rich in Mary's text, the powerful, they aren't in a position to be able to say, I am in need, I need a savior. And so in Mary's world, they cannot receive this joy. So how do we do it? How do you choose joy or live with joy, not just in this season, but all of the time? 
For I cannot manufacture joy. You can't manufacture joy. Friends, I want you to think this morning that faith is a posture of receptivity. I want you to think about all of the things that in a worship service you usually receive. What are some things we receive in a worship service? One thing I think of is that we receive pardon, right? There, there comes a time every service when we prepare to come to the table where we confess our sins. And every Sunday, I proclaim to you in some form or fashion that Christ has died for you well, you are still a sinner, and that in the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. You're receiving a pardon in that space. And you repeat it back to me because in no way am I perfect up there and not needing pardon either. But we receive that pardon. In many traditions, you receive that pardon literally praying on your knees, confessing before God. We don't have the kneelers in here, so it hurt a little more. But, but nonetheless, um, it's, it's in a posture of receptivity that we receive that pardon. Something else we receive in worship is grace through the sacrament, right? When we receive the bread and the cup, we believe that we are receiving we are receiving God's grace given to us anew. And so we come oftentimes in a posture of our hands like this, open and ready to receive that grace anew. Another thing you receive each week is a blessing, right? Multiple times, hopefully, throughout worship, but even at the close, and whether, whether it's me or it's children lifting out their hands. And one way that we receive blessing is just by opening ourselves up, by sometimes you'll notice that I ask you to hold open your hands in worship during that time to receive that blessing. It's so that there's a tangible receptivity. Something happens when we move our bodies and change our posture in prayer. Something happens to, to our minds that allows us to think new about these things. All of these postures, friends, all of these postures of receptivity are the opposite of standing with our arms crossed, unwilling to be moved. You ever find yourself once in a while standing with your arms crossed, especially guys, I do. Um, so like there, there's times and, and I'm like, why am I like, like, why am I doing this? Because it just communicates to anyone a closed offish, standoffishness. Even if we don't mean to, it kind of says, I'm not going to be engaged in this space. But the second that we open ourselves up, we are saying not just to others, but also ideally in this faith journey to God, God, I'm open to receiving. I might invite you in private times of prayer even, rather than doing the kind of hands full, eyes closed type of thing that you learn that kind of hunches us in, to instead just sit with hands open, maybe even eyes open wide, to look and see God's blessing that you can receive wherever you are. Friends, when we receive God's pardon and God's grace and God's blessing, it spurs joy within us. We are then in Mary's position where we can say in the depths of who I am I rejoice in God my Savior so I simply ask you today as you come as you enter into this space wherever you are in this season and not just literally here in this hour in this space are you in a posture of receptivity are you in a posture where you are able to receive the gift of God's salvation anew and then rejoice in turn for having received it. Let us pray. 
Lord Jesus, we come from all sorts of places with all sorts of things going on. Some of us have, have had a wonderful, joy-filled season or week or year where lots and lots of good is going on. Others of us, God, are coming off of really, really hard times. Some of us, it's in between. It's up and down every day. There's more things to count, and some are good and some are bad, and we're just tired. Some of us just need a movement of you in our lives and are desperate for it. God, wherever we are, I ask that we would be open to receiving you. God, sometimes I fear that we close ourselves off to you, essentially closing, folding our spiritual arms in front of you saying, well, come on, just you do it, God. And rather, what you are looking for is just an openness to receiving you. God, that openness that Mary had, wherein you could literally come into the world through her. God, I ask that you would open us up to your presence in our lives. And that as we so receive you, it might spur us to proclaim with great joy that in the depths of who I am, I rejoice in God, my Savior. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.